Um, so I don't know a lot about Funko Pop dolls. I'll be Good. honest. That's not a bad thing. But um, don't change. <laughs> <laughs> you you be you, bro. <laughs> Whatever you do, Sam. Don't one, change one yourself. Of, one of my favorite things about you is how little you know about Funko Pop dolls. Dry martini. We oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. Yep. And actresses. I've heard of them. Okay. I've seen some of we them. We have many of them who we look up to Too greatly. Too many And you, can, you will hear their voice and know it's this person. Yes. Can you think of an actor that is not suited to voice an animated film character? Um... Because Judy Dench, Judy Dench is perfect for an animated film. No, character. I argue, I would argue becomes non-distinctive in animated form. Ooh, you're like oh, just yeah, like and like her as an animated character, just any posh English lady. Yeah, she could have been performed better by Angela Lansbury. Whoever that is, yes. Yeah, I believe Angela Lansbury played the teapot in. Opposite direction. Beauty and the Beast. Michelle Wolf. Too distinctive. <laughs> Who's Michelle Wolf? She's a comedian. You don't know her? She's got probably an incredibly sort of nasal voice that <laughs> okay. when you listen to it, like I've listened to our stand up special is really good. But you're listening to it, you're like, I don't know how I'm listening to this. Your voice should be You shouldn't talk. Incredibly annoying. <laughs> and she makes a joke out of it. It's like, no, this is just how I sound. It's but, like what a lot of people say about people like James Blunt. Where you like you listen to James Bond music and it's fine, but James Blunt has a very distinctive voice. He sank without trace, didn't he? No, I think he still does stuff, but he just no one knows about it. It's I like s- our podcast. I stand by my statement. <laughs> my favorite thing about James Blunt is lived in Ibiza, <laughs> which is entirely not his vibe. <laughs> my favorite thing about James Blunt is that he was he drove a tank in for Kosovo. the army. <laughs> With a guitar strapped to the outside because his superior officer said, no, you can't bring that in here. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it, bro. <laughs> he just straps it to the... Imagine if he gets shot. That guitar is... You can't play. No James Blunt. Yeah, but imagine if someone's going to shoot at you and then they see you've got a guitar and then they realise, oh, we're all just one people. And then <laughs> war is over. His guitar is painted all hippie colours and stuff. Yeah, it's like this machine kills fascists or whatever it is that people say. <laughs> Fight the man. Yeah. But what are, what are you going to sing? It's about a girl I saw in a train once, and it's mostly about me and not about war or what's going on here. One yeah, of my. Back on, on topic. One of my favorite the things topic? about watching animated films, and oh, I right. watch quite a few animated films. Oh, yeah. Is, I like how this is actually kind of on topic. Um, is when you notice an actor that you've seen in other stuff, but you mm-hmm. weren't prepared for that person being in this film. 
Like if it's just a random film and yeah. suddenly Channing Tatum is voicing a character, you're like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Or when you start watching a film and you definitely know that voice from somewhere. Oh, yeah, and you can't relax until you've got exactly. it. Exactly. I love that. When when you finally understand where that person's from because they say one phrase or a word in a certain way. Yeah. You're like, yeah, bam. You, you get the access phrase and then you figure out who it is. Yeah. yeah. I. That's a good feel. One of the things that just used to make me sick to my stomach is when there, there's just some random shitty animated movie coming out, mm-hmm. but they're just trying to generate hype by every character being someone famous. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like the, you know, the day the ironing board went mad and it's Angelina Jolie, Stephen Colbert, Idris Elba, Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I, that I still don't These care. These people gave less than a day of I their time. I still don't care. You can't just make them all famous. What is... The movie that you went to see at the cinema that, looking back, you regret the most. Not because it was bad, but because it was bad in such a way that the fact that you went to see it doesn't say anything good about you. And spoiler alert, I have my answer. I've seen so many movies at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the bar is low. Was there a movie you went and saw and afterwards you were like, oh, I shouldn't have seen that. What am I even doing? What am I... I should be doing something... What's your... Well, see, I don't feel bad about watching films. There are films that we've watched in this podcast that I don't think should exist. Just Except because... for the Daniel Craig aspect of them. Exactly. But you're talking like, about our pre-Daniel Craig era, probably. Yeah, when I go to the movies, even if the film is bad, I've enjoyed my time at the movies. That's not a given for me. Okay. What's what's your answer? You know, this podcast has been an interesting inversion in a lot of ways because it used to be that I hated everything and you loved everything. Yeah. And lately, it's I am arguing for all of these movies <laughs> and you're the one that's saying their shit. What is your answer to the question of movie that you hated that you saw at the cinema? You know, I didn't even hate it. It's not like it's not like it would stand out in history as oh this is one of the worst films we ever did, but just it was just a time in my life where we were just going to the movies a lot, mm-hmm. and it was just like got nothing to do, just go to the movies again. I guess what's on at the movies? Nothing we want to see. Okay, so what is there? I guess we'll see that, and. It's just unsettling because it doesn't align with who I am as a person now. Like, it's confusing to me that who I am now, today, Sam Brookfield in 2020, in 2009, paid to watch Monsters vs. Aliens. Did you not like Monsters vs. Aliens? It's got Hugh Laurie in it, Sam. I didn't mind it. (laughs) But, (laughs) come on. You know? All right. I've got one. Oh, okay. I Googled it. This is a film. You Googled your own memories? Yeah. I had I to make sure. I could do that. i got to get that app. That this is, yeah. We saw this midnight screening the day it came out. Mm-hmm. Not us. No, you, no, this right. was, this was also 2009. Okay. My friends at uni. We were barely even friends. And I. 
We were more than more like passing acquaintances in we 2009. Were, we were on like a monthly dinner basis in 2009. 2010 is where things sort of blossomed between you and I. Little did we know what an inappropriate level things were going to escalate to. Go on. <laughs> 2009, group of uni students hanging in South Bank after we finished classes. Recipe for disaster. As you do. Cinema 5 at the South Bank Cineplex. Classic cinema. Almost IMAX. Almost. That's what it's called. <laughs> I'd like to take it to Almost IMAX. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Right. I, nowadays, having known what that film is, and if I ever watch it again, which I have done several times, yeah. because sometimes you're in the mood for some Wolverine, because Hugh Jackman is fantastic. I am often embarrassed about the level of leaving that cinema going, man, that was amazing. Oh, okay. So different angle. You you don't like the fact that you liked it that much. Uh-huh. I remember seeing X-Men Origin, well, Origins, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wolverine, pardon me. <laughs> and being like, yeah, oh, that was fine. Yeah. I really like the montage. The montage history. was the only redeeming, like it was so good. And the fact that the claws used to be claws. Mm, this bone. Like, I, I also haven't seen it since it came out, but... It everyone doesn't hold all over up. it, but doesn't okay. hold up at all. Neither does its sequel, the Tokyo One or yeah. whatever. It doesn't seem to be good for Western movies to relocate to Tokyo. That's never. No. It's never. Like, a, that's a, a thing step they into the limelight. Did in the comic books, but that's not something you need to do in your second film for this character. Well, who do you want to be the new Wolverine? That is the question. Not who's Tom Hardy. the Marvel Wolverine. It's not Tom Hardy. No, and we all know he wants it. And we all know that he would be great as it. It's right up his alley. Because Tom Hardy is a fantastic actor, but he's not Wolverine. I don't know. Tom Hardy would be, would be more comic accurate because he's a bit shorter. He is, he is quite a bit shorter. Well, if in the vein of short people, how about someone like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Just like Too hella skinny. buffing up for it. Well, in that vein, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf is perfect already, as is. He's already bearded. Yeah, he's got that sort of moodiness to him. Yeah, I could see him. He would age into the role perfectly. (laughs) I like it. Shia LaBeouf would be cool. Yeah. No one else has that gravitas of Shia LaBeouf. No, of that homeless gravitas. Yeah, of, <laughs> I'm playing a character covered in tattoos, so I guess I'll get all of those tattoos. Why not? Chill out, dude. Why not? What? What? What if the next the the MCU Wolverine is played by some music music star who's moving into acting? How Rihanna was in Battleship. Yeah, Lil Nas. <laughs> Lil Nas as Wolverine. I was going to say something like a country, like Blake Shelton, like a country music star playing <laughs> Wolverine. What's his name? Um, Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Paul as the the worst, Wolverine, like doe-eyed. They just Wolverine, Wolverine origins, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> Oh. I love those times when you know, and a person who's not an actor or not predominantly an actor moves into acting. Like Rihanna in Battleship. She didn't get given much to do, 
what yeah. she does is fine <laughs> because she didn't and get everyone much says, to do. Well done, Rihanna. We acknowledge you're that. You're in a movie now. You are Rihanna. <laughs> so what you've done is great. Or Australian cricket star Brett Lee starring in romantic comedies. Because oh, that's a thing that exists. Wow. Okay. Look, He's a cricketer. Hindi romantic comedies? Because yep. I could have. Oh, okay. Then. <laughs> well, that's fine. Different it's rule book. They're playing. Perfect. They're playing with a different set of rules over there, and we don't understand them. They're oh, at a it's higher filmed level. in Australia. Oh, okay. It's an Australian movie in which he falls in love with an Indian girl, and her family oh. are not supportive. Oh. But he's Australia's best cricketer, Brett Lee. Yeah. The movie is called Unindian. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to say. I love that it exists. I like when... Aren't you rich, Brett Lee? Like, I would be. This is my point. With all but now of this, you finished playing. All of this shit bored. that all these famous people do, I'm like, aren't you all already rich? <laughs> Can't you just have any chill at all? No, you, you get bored easily. Once you've been paid pointless amounts of money for doing yeah, pretty yeah. much nothing. But you know what that you know what you do then? You just be bored like the rest of us. Okay? We're all bored. But you be bored in your we mansion. We feel bored and we just have a nice sit at home and maybe watch some Netflix. We don't make a, <laughs> like he watched a the Netflix Hindi and be like romantic comedy. I could be in this Netflix. Yeah, he's like, oh, mm. I prefer this Netflix if it was me I was looking at. <laughs> That's the mentality. I'd like to sit here at home and watch myself on this Netflix. Yeah. Mum, make that happen. You know who wouldn't like to do that? Daniel Craig. That is true. He would hate to watch himself. Maybe that's why not many of his films are on Netflix. Maybe Because Daniel Craig loves Netflix. Maybe that's why the ideal movie for him is one in which his face isn't even in it, just his voice. I don't think that's his ideal film. Well, we're about to talk about just that kind of movie. I guess we are. I brought it around. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Exceptional Thieves. This is a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. My name is Sam. And I am Isaac. And this is the latest episode of our special series, Craigslist, where we are watching the entire filmography of the one and only Daniel Rawton Craig. Britain's best actor, Daniel Craig. no reason at all. Except because it's hella fun. Yes. And everyone who's ever listened to the podcast has enjoyed every episode. Every episode. They've been tonally very consistent <laughs> because of the very similar subject matter they've all had to address. For the very lighthearted films that Daniel Craig has been a part of. Yeah, Daniel's a guy who likes to be in one type of movie. Then they're all bangers. And it's all like three degrees of separation from Nazis. That's the... <laughs> Uh, so that's a wide circle, but that, that's that, that's where it's quite a wide circle. That, yeah, that's where he rotates. I mean, I mean, we're all three degrees. No, we're not. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm way more. I'm like eight degrees. Yeah. Who am I kidding? Families from Europe. We're like two degrees, probably. If that. If that. <laughs> <laughs> so Bond news. Oh, sweet Bond news. Bond news. Bond news. Welcome back to Bond News. So a little bit of Bond News before we get into the movie. Um, so I don't know a lot about Funko Pop dolls. I'll be Good. honest. That's not a bad thing. But um, don't change. You <laughs> <laughs> you be you, bro. <laughs> Whatever you do, Sam. Don't one, change one yourself. Of, one of my favorite things about you is how little you know about Funko Pop dolls. But 
as far as I can tell, they're little dolls with big heads. And um, the... Lifeless black eyes. Well, yes. The James Bond No Time to Die Funko Pop dolls have been released. Okay. And I, at first, I was just going to order these for us and surprise you with them. <laughs> but then I decided not to. So look, you've got James Bond here. And look, he's got, his, he's got the blue sweater on. With the white undershirt, which looks like he strips down to at some point going by the trailer. And then these tactical black trousers. A lot of fun. The blonde hair. And there's also one of uh, Lynch. What's her first name? Roshana? Shoshana? The actor from Captain Marvel. This one. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Lynch. The new 007. The new 007. Rasheen, I thought. Roshana? I feel like there's an Anna in there. Okay. Ms. Lynch. This is the kind of thing we should know on the the only Daniel Craig podcast in the world. Anyway, um, with a with a sweet gun. You've got Anna de Armas in the blue nightgown, and you've also got one of it's. <laughs> is it Rami Mel? There's one of Lashif holding the ball whip from Casino Royale. <laughs> um, there's one of Judy Dench, but I decided no point ordering these because. As you said, they all have soulless black eyes. Why would you, when you can create a Funko Pop of Daniel Craig, Britain's best actor... You're making a Funko Pop of Daniel Craig. It's blue eyes. Mm. Does that look like Daniel Craig to you? No, it looks nothing like Daniel Craig. It looks like somebody cosplayed as Daniel Craig. Yeah, it looks looks like someone with the eyes of a demon (laughs) and the head of a mushroom cosplayed (laughs) as Daniel Craig. And I find it, frankly, insulting. So that's some feedback to the Funko Pop lads. Damn, Bond News just got heated. There's some hot takes coming out of Bond News this week, (laughs) which is not the normal, you know, vibe of the segment, but there you go. Also, not a film I expected to have Funko Pops made. Well, I mean... That's not really the vibe that Bond goes for. It's not the... It is, but I think part of the fun of Funko Pops is the discontinuity in the vibes, you know? Sure. Like, you know, a Funko Pop of Churchill. That it's, it's funny because it's, you know, disrespectful. <laughs> Funko That's... Pop of the Queen. That's cool, though. Yeah, that would, but that would feel kind of wrong. Would it? Yeah. I because... mean, there are enough bobbleheads of her in the in the world. Yeah, I guess like all those souvenirs. Lounging on people's dashboards. It's nodding. Yeah. I don't like to picture the queen lounging. Do you reckon the queen's ever lounged? Or are all her chairs very, very upright? Well, do do you think she ever sits down on a chaise long or a day bed and when no one's around just, oh, just leans back, puts (laughs) the legs up. Fuck me. Let's out a fart. Oh, it's like kicks the shoes off. Jesus Christ, being the queen (laughs) is hard. I Guys, I don't know if you know, I've been, I've been the queen for so long, like, I'd, no, I'd, you guys have never been the queen as long as me. Why, guys? Will the sweet release of death not take me? I really thought this <laughs> pandemic would be it. I've been out there just letting people cough on me every day, just because. What like what are any of us getting out of this at this point? I've made Philip go for drives every day. Philip, <laughs> just to aid. Philip has been on the tube <laughs> twice a day, just licking. <laughs> licking just licking handles 
I mean, it's done wonders for Twitter. I'm starting to worry that I might be immortal. I'm worried that I might be... <laughs> but not the fun immortal where you stay young. Like you... the Highlander one where you, like, the first time you die, that's the age you stay at forever now? I'm the kind of immortal where you get to 100 and then just stay that forever. <laughs> like a weird little mm. Porgeria fella. But from Renaissance, the film we're talking about. We're getting close to it, guys. Don't worry. We keep tangenting and I'm loving it. I just put time codes in the episodes now. I'm like, we get to the movie at minute 25. Have fun with it. Cool. Um, if we're going to talk about that guy, he's referred to for the entire film as the walking scrotum. Okay. All right. That's what That's what he looks like. Okay. Well, if that's how you want to refer to real life sufferers of the terrible disease of Porgeria, who unfortunately sometimes only live to be about 16 and then give one sort of inspirational TED talk before, unfortunately, their terminal disease takes them. Cuts short what could have been a beautiful life, then yeah, sure. Yeah. Good for you, Isaac. Good for. You. Do we want to talk about the film now? We can talk about the film soon. Okay. Nothing else for Bond news this week? No other Bond news. I found a delightful interview, which I have posted to the Twitter account if anyone wants to have a look at it, of oh, uh, just an interview between Daniel Craig and Jamie Lee Curtis after Knives Out. And their dynamic is delightful. Are they friends? There's Jamie Lee Curtis is talking about stuff that she's sort of put out recently and she just keeps making fun of Daniel Craig for not having any social media. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't get it. He's not, he's, he's kind of a luddite. He, and like she keeps like tapping him on the arm and be like, he's, he wouldn't get it. He's, he, he's not on social media. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, very, I'm a very private person. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, he's a little bit older, so he doesn't get it. I'm like, you're older than Daniel Craig. Um, uh, I, like, I like knowing that he's a regular dude. You know lo- what I mean? Yeah, he's very regular for his family. Mm-hmm. And I also found um, a website, a, well, a page on awakenthegreatnesswithin.com titled 40 Inspirational Daniel Craig Quotes on Success. Have you got a couple of good ones? And I have to say the content of this page entirely justifies Daniel's decision to completely disconnect from social media and the internet <laughs> as much as possible because it's entitled, you know, Daniel Craig Quotes for Success, but it's, it seems to be just things Daniel has said at different times. Are they about success? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, I like going to the gym every day. That's one of them. Is that it? Yep. Um... <laughs> There's always going to be someone with a bigger toy than yours. What is that? I mean, I feel successful already. Ah, <laughs> I can feel myself being more closely orientated towards success with every passing moment. Mm-hmm. Hear me. I need a. My mother gave me a real kick toward cooking, which was that if I wanted to eat, I'd better know how to do it myself. That is kind of success related. Like that is a that part is, of my life that I haven't succeeded in. You don't like you don't cook much? No. Okay. It's never worth it. Sometimes. When I choose a, I I will choose a recipe and like, right, I'm cooking this. I buy the food. I spe- it always takes me so long and when I finally sit down to eat the meal, my thought is always 
this wasn't worth it. <laughs> the amount of time and effort this took. Cooking doesn't have to take a long time. It does for me, seemingly. I'm sorry, man. Puff and omelets. That's my go-to. They're pretty good, too. I just wanted to play a cowboy for a long time. Another success quote. This one cut deep. I just wanted to play a cowboy for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, that in regards to a film that we're about to watch quite soon? Who knows, man? Who knows? This uh, this one caught my eye. The bad reviews get to me. Believe me. So I think we should make sure we're always nice. Well, we are quite nice to Daniel. I don't want to hurt his feelings. He's Britain's best back, best actor. I think I think this is the best one. I'll leave us on this one. Okay. This is this is this is number thirty-seven of forty. <laughs> there are forty quotes. <gasps> I've done a lot of things in my life. That's it. Is, is that it? <laughs> and you know what, Daniel? You. That's right. So. So, so we is should we should everyone we we should make t-shirts. <laughs> See, I've done a lot of things in my life. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. We should make mugs that we drink out of every episode that just say, I've "Done a lot of things in my life." <laughs> no, I like the other one. I just want to play it. a cowboy really much. <laughs> I've just always wanted to play a cowboy. <laughs> like, oh, poor Daniel. Like, this would be horrible if this was you. Like, no, I wasn't trying to. Be inspirational. That's the shit I said in an interview once. <laughs> probably not even in an interview. You goddamn Somebody probably fools. sat next to him at a cafe. Or these are just made up. That like, well, I need forty because that's the bar I've set. So for you myself. pick something that he's definitely at least strung those words together at some stage. You pick stage. something like this is probably the sort of thing he once said. <laughs> you know, every human has once said these three words in this specific order. I'll put them in. I'll put them in. The only other thing I will shout out, also available on our Twitter account, is Esquire magazine put out a video which is like the life and times of Daniel Craig's career, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, st- it starts with a Kid and King oh, Arthur's yes. Court, like nice, and it's just clips from all his different films. This was really fun to watch because someone else has kind of done what we've done. Watched them, or watched them. There's a lot of King Arthur, Kid and Carl's quest. Someone probably got paid, got paid to make this, though. Yeah, well, so we, we get paid to do this. Oh, I guess. I mean... Thanks, Patreon. Yeah, I mean... And know, we also get paid with the glory of being able to talk about Daniel Craig, Britain's we, best back, best actor. We get paid by the, some voices. We oh, get paid nice. by the fact that we've laid the groundwork for a future wonderful friendship with Daniel Craig. I'm so sorry that they had to put Hotel's Wendy on here. Yeah. That's cool. So this is great. It's just a super cut of all of Daniel Craig's films. So Craig Keistadors, if you're out there, check it out. Buy yourselves Esquire. Read it for the articles. No, just go to their Twitter account. It's on there. Oh, okay. Go to our Twitter account, actually. Even easier. Well, you can't really watch a video on a magazine, can you? No. It's strange when magazines make videos. That's the problem with magazines. They're not videos, and I've been saying that for a long time. <laughs> Today we are talking about a film that has a couple of titles, but my preferred one is pa- Paris oh, 2045, Renaissance. Yeah, sometimes just Renaissance. 
But also... Also, um, off the top, why is it called that? Because it takes place in Paris in 2045. Uh-huh. And... What is it the renaissance of? It's... Um... You know, you don't have to have an answer for that there question. There is no answer to that, is there? No. Nothing renaissances. Nope. No one, like, has a personal renaissance. There's no renaissance of any, like, theme or is any... It, there's no. Good, is, good point. Is it the renaissance of film noir? Because, no, that was the 50s. Yeah, and all... Well... <laughs> and it can't be the renaissance of what it is because what it is was like cutting edge technology at the time. So it's just it's the it's the ossance. It also wasn't cutting edge technology at it's the time. It's the nossance. <laughs> so if you want to watch this movie, you can. It is all on YouTube. Forewarning for YouTube. If you want to, it watch has it been on uploaded YouTube. six months ago from recording of this podcast. But the person who's uploaded it has put property of. And their YouTube channel. What is it? Big Bob's, Bob's Bo- Your Uncle. Bob's Your Uncle. Property of Bob's Your Uncle. So you do have to watch the whole thing with that text on in it. In huge text at the bottom of your screen. So if like you're huge. okay with that, go for it. You can't like put a card against this computer screen to like hide it because it also covers part of the actual film. Yeah. yeah. Like the aspect ratio. The thing about Bob's Your Uncle, he, he really gives with one hand and takes with the other. <laughs> you know? See. A lot of the time, if people do that sort of stuff, they'll fade out for a while and then it'll come back in. Like, yeah. just so you know, you're watching an illegal thing because of this. Yeah. I'll go away a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bob, we know we're doing something illegal. You are someone's uncle. We know we're doing, we know it's legal. You did it. Like, <laughs> don't put this on us. You put this up. Anyway, that's anyway, how you can we, watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. And this is a 2006 animated tech noir film which was co-produced in France, the United Kingdom, and Luxembourg, and directed by Christian Volkman, who I, I can't really refer to anything else particularly interesting that he has done, except in 2019, doing a film that he chose to call The Room, which is an insane choice. This... There are so many films called The Room or Room. Yeah, but, like, you know... I mean, it's been done enough. Pick something else. Yeah. Also, you know. don't call your film Renaissance. That's weird. I've got a new movie called The Godfather. You know. Oh, cool. What's it about? Uh, just like an ice cream stand. Nice. Um, but like the themes are very political and also quite sexual. Um, this <laughs> movie for it. was is entirely animated, and it is entirely animated in black and white. There and it is, is entirely very, very hard to watch. There is no grey at all. And the th- I, I just <laughs> want to say Isaac has strong feelings. You can make a, a very stylistic black and white animated film. Here comes you an can Isaac do that. hot take. Here we go. You don't have to animate every single part of the set and the backdrops and then just put a black and white wash over it so that most of the shots just have random black lines everywhere for no reason. The black and white animation at certain points, I think, works very well and is creates some arresting visual imagery. For the cityscapes, fantastic. Yeah. For anything that happens while they're driving, 
is awesome. Yeah. There are parts where they're like investigations are taking place and like film noir tropes where you've got a spotlight from above. Mm. Some of that is so visually cool. And if you did like flashes of color in there, <laughs> it's a perfect a perfect visual. But because of the animation being what it is and the way they animate people, it's it's hard to watch. If my my hot take with this movie is that the problem with it is that it's a hundred and five minutes long, <laughs> and it, it could have been forty. It's well, yes, I think it is a story and visual style that works very well as a short film, but it is like a solidly feature length movie. Yeah. So you do get it is visually tiring, to and get it also it. gets boring in terms of just plot yeah the story itself well i mean we'll get to it but i think yeah the so it's entirely it was filmed and recorded in french so the daniel craig's role in this comes in as dubbing the french actor who played the lead role okay so but it's quite like a lot of the the lip movements are very well done if yeah. they've changed all of that. Well, if I th- they double, like animated it twice, then I don't know if they animated that bit twice. But there's there's a French cast and an English language cast, yeah. and the animation is done with motion capture. So this is sort of back when motion capture was still sort of becoming something people were were interested in. You starting with that three D. It's very interesting reading the reviews of this movie that came out at the time and all the reviews are like, the movie uses a technology called motion capture where and like <laughs> explains what motion capture is. And then literally like four years later, Avatar's gonna come out and change the world. Yeah. Well this is still five years after Gollum. Like which <laughs> never stops blowing my mind. Um, so the a lot many aspects of the the animation of the just the faces and people walking around looks realistic because it is based on motion capture and so there's a French actor that played the main role of this detective and then Daniel Craig has come in to do the English voice of it which interesting choice for Daniel Craig I don't know what well, motivated him to do this really in watching the film and listening to how it sounds it would have been like two, three days worth of work. Yes, but still, why? Because it's got not... spare time and a paycheck. It's very little of the Daniel Craig acting that he likes to do. And you would have had to act to animation that is already done. So there's very little room for creativity. This is isn't true. the kind of character that he's particularly interested in because it's pretty one-dimensional because they're all sort of these noir archetypes. <laughs> And you yeah, you just need to kind of say what the previous actor said at the exact same rhythm and tempo, but in English. In English. So I don't... I, I don't know, like, I if mean, the film... Maybe he just has a soft spot for the style, but, uh, yeah, I do not get it. But Maybe the, he just wanted to be able to say that he voiced an animated character at one time. Well, as we've established... In an adult animated film. Yes, adult animated, which is much rarer. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen very often. And I don't watch a lot of animated films, especially not adult animated movies. Do you watch, like, anime or any of that sort of I stuff? No. I can't bring my... I don't like the way it's drawn. Yeah. Lots of people love that. I know. And I don't... Lots of people I, our age love that. And I'm not... I don't want to take it away from anyone. I just... Yeah, I've never... I haven't tried to get into it, but that's never really been my cup I, of tea. 
love myself some Disney films, but that's my version of animated films. Because you got to mm. be in that mood for Disney, and then you're set to jet. Yeah, well, Pixar. Yeah, surely well, Pixar's the pinnacle. Disney. Yeah, but but Pixar, yes. I could watch Toy Story any day. We're we're talking about Up, not Aladdin. You know. You when's the last time you watched Aladdin? It's pretty good, man. Holds up. Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> doing Jack Nicholson impressions <laughs> timeless timeless renaissance so it's Paris 2045 spoiler alert for renaissance watch if you like if you Sin li- City <laughs> and Blade Runner and kind of Gattaca and like Equilibrium maybe see I want this to be so much more like Equilibrium maybe bits of Minority Report then watch this. But and if you're also like having your eyes get a little bit sore. If you've if your eyes are feeling strong, if you've got a lot of eye energy <laughs> stored up, then get into it. Because it's long. I wanted see, I wanted more of equilibrium in this. Yes. Because from yeah, the vibe I mean, we'll at the get start. To that, I think yeah, that's the it has problems. Yeah, it does. It has story problems that are easy fixes. Yeah. My, my other hot take with this is apparently they worked on it for like six years. <laughs> like it was. So they started with the motion capture in 2001 like, when they saw Gollum the and were like, hey. <laughs> they didn't even see Gollum. Someone was doing Gollum and they're like, wait, they're doing Gollum? We can do something like that. Let's do that, but Blade Runner and it's everything and it's Paris. <laughs> 2045. My hot take on the film is it's not good. My hot take on the film was <laughs> they've all got overexcited about motion capture, spent so long on developing this, like got overexcited about what we could do with this technology mm-hmm. that they've ended up doing a very sort of plasticated wooden plot and character arcs. So it's there's there's stuff in there that you could, Sam's favorite word, elevate quite <laughs> easily. But I think so much energy has gone into just getting the technological side of making this film right that that's become sort of secondary. And so that's why this film isn't as, isn't as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably not good overall, yep. but with a, a bunch of good bits. I mean, there's a... Yeah. Fun voice cast. Daniel Craig, Jonathan Price, Real good voice cast. Ian Holm. And what was that other one I wanted to point out? Angela Lansbrenner. Romola Garay, I think, is the oh, one I was going to point that's out. Name. Known for. No, that's not the one. <laughs> no, wrong one. There's another one. Ah, oh, can't even be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> is this the only film that Daniel Craig got to do with Ian Holm? Um. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably, probably. I like that they got to work together, even though they probably weren't in studio at the same time. So the best parts of this movie are the giant sweeping shots of dystopian-esque, steampunky, mo- futuristic Paris. When you picture things like um, The Fifth Element, where you have yeah. your New York City skyline there, but then the streets just delve another 600 meters down that's yeah that's, that's what it's kind that's of done right there where it, that opening shot it pans down from the eiffel tower 
to the I don't know how you describe that architecture, but that very recognizable architecture of just the sort of just the streets of streets Paris. of Paris, the current streets of Paris. and you're like that street level, and then it goes down another few hundred for another meters forty five seconds of just panning shot, and it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, and so that's all really great. And it, at this point, you're really excited for this film to be really stylistically black and white because you've just seen Sin City, same year. You're like, yeah. damn, they're doing this again. Oh, that's cool. This is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see Jessica Alba shoot some people. It's going to be great. Yeah, there's going to be some interesting use of color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, will, that, will, <laughs> that will really break the monotony. The, yeah, so the, the fact that the whole thing is black and white is a problem because it's... <laughs> Just then with this a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Because, like, well, you know, on one level, I respect it. Strong choice. It creates a lot of really strong visuals, but it there's no way around the fact that it holds you back from the emotional performance of the actors. Yes, it makes it kind of hard to see what the what they're thinking and feeling. I think it also brings back a lot more for what you could have gotten from Daniel's performance, because Daniel is great in what he's allowed to do for this. Yeah, but so much of his character is in the darkness. Like, so often, his character's face is just eyes. Yeah. And so we should say his character is a hard-nut detective who's also on a SWAT team, who's a lone wolf, (laughs) but also has access to massive surveillance technology. Really good at finding people. Yeah. And so there's Paris, (laughs) and the thing in Paris is there's... Avalon, which is the big company. Like a makeup brand. And they have lots of big Blade Runner billboards talking about, I am youthful forever, thanks to Avalon. And so you're like, well, that's obviously evil. And (laughs) Soylent Green is people. Yes, exactly. And then in the beginning, um, I heard a thing the other day about how, you know how like Facebook, doesn't make money out of advertising, makes money out of selling our data to advertisers. (laughs) It's like Facebook is people. (laughs) Anyway. We get introduced to Daniel Craig's character because he's a goddamn bloody hero because there's some sort of hostage situation going on. In some weird library type place. Yeah, full of Rodan the Thinker statues. There are lots of rep. So weird. Like, fine, but... Like, visually, that's a cool way to start your film, I guess. It looks great, but just... I don't... Having Rodan's the Thinker... Like, is thinking a theme? Does that mean something in terms of what's going on? Or is it just something you've done? Um, and he just, and they're like, there's no way we can do it. And he walks in on his own and he only bloody shoots all the bad guys and saves the day and good for him. So he's a, he's a badass who does, he doesn't follow orders. So just, just really archetypally, archetypally is a bit generous, really stereotypically <laughs> just the, He's cop. he's the cop you're about to see. He's the cop Solve who wears their collar turned and get up in gunfights and walks around dystopian cities in the rain, which yeah. I love. Can I just say I have a lot of time yeah. for grizzled crime fighters walking around dystopian futuristic cities in the rain with their collars up. I will watch it all day. Okay, I mean if I can see it. Yeah, and if it's not Blade Runner twenty forty nine. 
the aesthetic of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, the aesthetic is cool. Like that, day. it's that, as the kids are saying these days, a vibe. It is a vibe. It's a mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the mood board of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. <laughs> I'm all over. <laughs> His collar is so high in that it's like eye level <laughs> when he turns around. It's because it's a dust cover. You can barely as well. see him. He's basically just in a tube. Um, is that Ryan Gosling? I don't know. And so there's a scientist who works for Avalon, who has a sister, who's a bit of a ne'er-do-well and works at a bar, and the scientist gets kidnapped. Oof. She opens, she goes back to a car, she opens the door, her dog falls out dead, bit of a twist of the knife, and then she gets kidnapped. And so Daniel Craig's character gets given the mission of finding the scientist alive for Avalon. Avalon very keen on that. Yep. ASAP. A. Sap and then the so the head of Avalon, voiced by Jonathan Price, who is on all the billboards all over town, being like, "She is missing. We must find her." Yeah. And so I find it. I so one of the problems was that I didn't really get to what degree this future is meant to be good or bad, as in utopian or dystopian. Yeah. And like, is Avalon? one of the bad companies that's out there or is is society ruled by companies or is it ruled by this one company because it seems weird if it's ruled by just this one company because this company seems to mostly do like makeup and stuff and that's not the kind of thing that i imagine getting control of the world i just don't think they thought about it that much i thought about i think they thought about this is our paris this is what paris looks like and there's this one company here. I think they put so much effort into the art direction. I needed more to sort of explicit world building around yeah. what kind of world are we in at the moment? I wanted it more. I wanted more equilibrium. Equilibrium had world building, but it also had great world building. One company in control of everything. Yeah. Like that's how their society works. Yeah. Because well, it establishes what's at stake, what you can and can't do. How the protagonist is going to conflict, might be able to conflict with their environment and things like that. Yes. The problem here is our main detective doesn't really, in material terms, have a problem with the world he's in. Avalon doesn't cause him any issues. And not, nor does throughout the film he come across anything that he needs to overcome. No, personally. he's he's not opposed to anything that's going on in Paris 2054. No. He's just like kind of sad because of his own shit that happened earlier in his life mm-hmm. that is mildly interesting because we find out he grew up... They say he grew up in the Casbah. Yep. And... He was born into a wrong. gang. You don't join a gang, you're born into a gang. Yeah, I'll, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, the Casbah is not a thing. Because a Casbah is like a name for just a... It's like a Middle Eastern na- term for a town. Well, maybe in... So, that... what is he talking about? <laughs> I don't know. He was born in a gang-ridden area well, maybe and was part by, of gangs. by 2054, the Casbah that he was born in is now a really large one that is forever known as the... Well, that would be a really fun thing to establish. Could have been. 
Could have been great. Could this probably couldn't have been great. Probably couldn't have been great. Could no. It could have, but you'd have to put a lot of effort in. He goes to see her boss at Avalon, and then there's lots of red flags about how you don't just leave Avalon. And there's lots of... It's weird how Paris 2054 has nurses in, like, 1950s outfits. There's lots of nurses in, like, it's a vibe. hats with a red cross. I mean, it's, it is a vibe. It's a fun vibe. Do they have red crosses, though? It was, no. Or it's the not, cross is white. It's just a cross. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not red. Yeah. That would have been a great time to use a little bit of... So would... Daniel Craig's eyes being blue for the whole film. Color. Just for the English language version. Not even. Even for the other one. Whatever that guy's <laughs> actor's eyes color were. Just colors. <laughs> Your hot take is use colors. <laughs> the only colors in the entire film is a character drawing. Yeah. Well, we'll I mean, we'll get I to mean, it. I mean, we're going to get to it because I mean, we're, we're going through the plot. Yeah, we've got we've got to reason. go through the plot. Do um, we? Well, I mean, we've got to go through bits of the plot. There are parts. There's one part of the plot that is cool. There's confusing bits. There's 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 the scientist girl who's been kidnapped. There's her sister who works at a bar. There's Dimitri who owns the bar. The scientist sister was asking Dimitri at the bar to steal an album of photos from somewhere. Within Ava, the plot is really complex. Within what I think is actually Avalon, which is confusing because she works there. The sister works from there two thousand and six. Yeah, because the scientist got her sister a job there to try and help her clean up her act. Yeah, is kind of the is kind of the vibe <laughs> you get. But Dimitri somehow <laughs> had access to get to this thing, and he stole that. And the sister saw little bits of it. And but then Dimitri gets killed by the invisible people. Oh yeah, the predator is in this movie. Yeah, so the and so the other thing with this movie <laughs> is the predators in it. But like several of him so, and they're human. So there's baddies that have invisibility cloaks and X ray vision that come in and out and do baddie stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there the thing about that is at no point is it useful to them the fact that they're invisible? Yes. Everything they do, they could still do <laughs> being visible. I think if, and here's, I'm going to say it again. If there was some color, there was some equilibrium esqueness toward the end of the film. Equilibri- equilibrianism. Yeah. Towards the end of the film, that where is. you have. You've set up these invisible these invisible assassin dudes, and then you've set up your grizzled cop who has the ability to shoot people. Maybe getting in some sort of action sequence at the end of the film would be cool. Where he has to use his skills to fight the invisible assassins. Exactly. That would be a nice little climactic yeah. culmination. He has to use skills that he learnt in the Casbah that he's been denying his whole life. Because you could just take the Casbah stuff out. I know, but... But Caspar's fun to say. It is very fun to say. His name is not fun to say. What is it? Karas. 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 Hey, Karas. What's up? What's up, Karas? Well, that's what you get for being French. I guess that is true. So, plot's convoluted. The plot is... (laughs) It is unnecessarily convoluted. and And some of the scripting is pretty wooden. So... 
But and, that could be just the translation. And the pro- and so and the problem with the detective character is the yeah, they try to make him be too many things at once. So at the beginning he's a member of a SWAT team and he's doing all SWAT stuff. Then he gets mm-hmm. given a mission as a detective. There's like a central command of the police where they have lots of screens and they can see all of Paris and they can do headset talking to each other, being like, turn left now. And they, so there's in this quasi dystopian future, there's presumably some sort of mass surveillance system, which he has access to through his commander. But also they want him to be the lone wolf walking around investigating things on his own. So he gets this mission and then he walks out around town by himself but anytime he wants he has this massive infrastructure which seems pretty ethically dubious in and of itself (laughs) to rely upon i think that that's part of the problem as well so he goes to the sister's apartment the sister of the scientist that's been kidnapped yeah and and there's that's one of those interactions she's like do you think i kidnapped her you tell me you're the cop are you always like this and maybe it's better in the french but when it it's turned into English. It's pretty... Yeah, I can't speak French, so I wouldn't know. I can't speak French either. I mean, I would enjoy speaking French. That'd be kind of fun. She gives their backstory about how she looked after them when they were kids and stuff. That doesn't really come to anything. Um, then he leaves there and he goes to his thinking hologram room. So he also has a room... <laughs> Where he, he lives in a very strange place. He lives in a very strange place that you can't see because it's all black and white and always nighttime, and there's no lights on <laughs> because it's noir. Oh, there's that bit later on where he goes, "We'll wait until daybreak." <laughs> I'm like, why? Sky's <laughs> not going to change. The be- <laughs> well, no, the best parts of this are during the day, <laughs> where the car chase happens. Like, oh, I can see stuff. Um, <laughs> So no, he goes to his thinking hologram room because oh, he's somehow some, he has the capacity to generate holograms of all the people that are relevant to the case yeah. and walk around looking at them, which somehow helps him get insights into the case that he is a lone wolf on. Um, then really to me, this leaning on the microphone lean, stand thing. Yeah, that, you look cool. Thanks, man. You look cool. You're it's like not comfortable. What's the deal with airline food? <laughs> Then Dimitri gets murdered by the Invisible Men. I mean, shit happens. Well, he's a loose end. He definitely is a loose end and for some reason. Got to tie those off. <laughs> One thing people in movies love to do is tie off loose ends. Mm. Um, <laughs> then he go. Then the detective goes to visit Avalon. No, he, go, he visits the bloke in charge of Avalon in his big glass sky office. Hit the haircut. Yeah. More great architecture. I guess. Yeah, and it's in the daytime, so you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he sort of confronts them. He confronts him about whether he was having a relationship with the girl. And he's like, ha, 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 no, obviously not. Because He discovers Dimitri's dead. And then she, then the sister's trying to describe the folder of photos that he, she saw a bit of that Dimitri had. Then there's a car chase. Do you, Which is... Sorry, you continue, go first. Do you remember who they're chasing? No. Okay. What were you going to say? The car chase, visually, is the best part of this film. Oh, I fucking loved this car chase. It has elements of, like, bullet. It has... It feels very Bond. Yeah. Because they put the camera directly in front 
of the driver's seat. So he's looking at the camera driving in this massive steering wheel and the backdrop. And you can do that in animated films now and it looks cool. Yeah. Whereas like 60s Bond, that's what you had to do. And the screen behind him is clearly fake, but it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And like this looks like it feels so cool. Yeah. And they've developed the convention of there's there's like the sign through Paris, but they've built... A highway. There's highways on either side of the sign that are enclosed in this like perspex, so the noise of it doesn't carry up onto the street. But mm. so they're driving along the side of the river through these enclosed little like uh, like motorways. It's so cool. Uh, which I'm pretty sure doesn't he drives along there in Spectre, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's a little foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> foreshadowing. And um, the other thing I read was Citroen. Uh-huh. the coolest car company in the world, Apparently. designed cars for this film. That's cool. They went to Citroen and Citroen had to be like, what will our cars look like in 50 years? And so those are the cars they're driving in this well, car chase. the detective's car is cool. It's like a supercar. Like, it's... Yeah. It looks very futuristic. Whereas the guy is chasing, his car just looks like a Chrysler, but with yeah. a few different grills on it. And I forget who that guy is, or how they found him, or what the significance of him is. Because he crashes at the end of the the chase. gets him. They pull up at the bottom of the Notre Dame. That was what was cool about the Notre Dame bit, is that they crash under a glass ceiling, so there are people walking above them. Well, the baddie is above him on the glass, and so he's got to get out of his car and chase him. Oh, fuck. And then he's like shooting through the glass up and down at each other. Great sequence. That's that's action. That's your that's your noir detective action right there. The thing with many parts of this movie is like this is loads of fun. I would love just a normal live action version of this. <laughs> yeah. I I understand you were this this was the money you had, so it's cool what you've done using but animation. This would have been expensive anyway. Would have still been pretty expensive, it's that but not that expensive. Technology of Motion capture. You know what I've learned? Here's a Notre Dame fact for you. Sweet. The Notre Dame fire of 2019 Mm -hmm. destroyed the Basilica of St. Denis. St. Denis protects against plague. That's... Oh. Oh. I mean, not that we're talking about it. No, we're not, but... But just while our film is at the feet of Notre Dame... The world is flat. Maybe the world is... (laughs) That's definitely what that proves. And so he gets the little monkey fella who was in the car, and I never really figured out what the significance was, but he takes him to go and see Azog from The Hobbit, who's in a sauna. Who's <laughs> this big... <laughs> I don't know if he's meant to be like... This is someone, this is someone he that, knows from the Casbah days. That, that was the guy he grew up with. So yeah. I don't know if he's meant to be like Moroccan or Turkish or what. I'm, I'm going to Google it. That's going to be a really hard thing to Google. But, no, um, I read the Wikipedia page. Here's my fun fact about that part. No, because it's Arabic to a degree because they say Allah Asalaikum to each other. Yeah. And the guy playing that role in the motion capture version, because it's that actor, there's a French actor, Marc, Marc Alphos. Farfella is his name. Yep. And he's an Arab Muslim mobster and a childhood friend. Well, okay, but doesn't, yep, cool. 
Mark Alphos is the French actor that plays him in the original animation. Yeah. He is very well known for dubbing Ron Perlman characters into French. Ron Perlman characters? Which I think you can absolutely see. Well, if that's the way they animate him. Because he's also a, a, but like, a similarly see, massive dude. Motion capture, they don't have to look like what they're blank, like portraying. Like King Kong doesn't look like Andy Serkis. I can see it, but I think well, no. But I think in this, that's just what they were doing. Okay, I think they were just trying to do what the actors look like. I thought they were just attempting to do a fucking way too long music video. That is kind I'm of blue. what it feels like. It's like this is like an Eiffel forty-five thing. So the plot, the plot is really hard to follow. So. The a relationship continues to sort of blossom. Like, what does he do there? Like, he brings him the guy to Allah Asalaikum. So then, it turns out. That... And then he's like, we're even from the Kasbah days. And I'm like, all right. But then. He captures the driver. Yeah. The man turns out to be a henchman of his friend. Ah, right. And. So he returns the criminal to Fafella, who in return gives him security footage of Alona's kidnapping. Right. That shows her car being stolen by wow. the incredibly old man. Well, I have no recollection of that. And they get some sort of lead, but the name is for a dead guy. And that leads them to Dr. Muller. Yes. Who signed off on the three these three names that are somehow significant? God, why don't I remember this? But anyway, the, that's at that point he and um, the sister are growing closer, I guess. They're growing closer, and you got more of those great noir lines. And she's like, "Why do you waste your life in that world?" And he's like, "Cause it's the only one I know. Ooh. You know a better one." Lead the way, I'm there. Mm. <laughs> the next step of their plan... It's pretty basic. ...is to have the sister go to Avalon headquarters. Yeah, well, first he goes to Muller's house without a warrant. As you do. And he's, and he's like, this is our only chance. And the commander's like, don't go in there, you don't have a warrant. He's like, I'm going in anyway. And <laughs> it, and I like that bit more great architecture. And he's in this massive like arboretum, like greenhouse, mm. on like level 10 of Paris. And then there's people <laughs> well, in there with gas ground, masks ground. and laser guns or something. And there's some sort of laser gun fight. And there's good slow motion jump and shooting. That's the best bit of that scene. This. That's the best bit of equilibrium. Slow motion jump and shooting is mm -hmm. always good. Could have done that live action. A mid-jump shoot. You ever fired a gun whilst jumping through the air? You ever fired two guns while jumping through the air? The odds of hitting what you're aiming at whilst jumping through the air and firing a gun <laughs> are infinite. Unless you're aiming at a barn, are infinitesimally <laughs> small. <laughs> I'm good with a Nerf gun. But I guess that's different. You ain't that good, bro. I mean, we've had nerf battles before. Yeah. You haven't hit me while jumping through the air. No, I haven't. No, you haven't. Don't manifest. We should nerf gun more often. We need a better, we need a good environment for it. I mean, I've just moved house. Actually, your new house would be great for it. Yeah. 
There's many rooms. We could do. We, you could do great capture the flag in that place. Yeah. Okay, let's table this maybe for after the podcast. <laughs> All right, back this is us just okay. planning other things we'd so like to goes. do. Welcome back to things Sam and Isaac want to do in their personal lives. Muller's apartment. Muller. Muller. There's a big. There's a big fight. I forget really what he does there as well. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> and what that brings into the story. Um, Probably. Not. I took notes. Um, the cop. <laughs> Uh, one of his cop friends has found some more information, and he's found out that Muller, who how did Muller come into this story? He works at Avalon. Mm. He yes, he works at he, Avalon. Muller was in charge of. He's the one there. This whole watching this movie, I got really confused between Muller and the big head of Avalon, Mister Guy, whose name I have no idea. Mister Guy, yeah. Mister Hitler haircut. Yeah, Jonathan Price. Yes, I got those. T- I. Those two really mixed up. But Muller is just like an underling who's working a lot with the scientist who's been kidnapped, and he's like, "She's brilliant." Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So and Muller's little brother had progeria, which is the disease where you prematurely age. So then, the scientist who's been kidnapped wanted Muller's photo album from two thousand. Ah, oh, this is where it happened. So he, so we they. Establish that the girl who's been kidnapped wanted a photo album from Dr. Muller's house from the year 2006. But in the course of raiding the house without a warrant, when the Arboretum fight happens, the Daniel Craig detective gets in there and sees that the 2006 one is missing, so that's already gone, which tells him that that's what Dimitri had, and that's why Dimitri got killed. The bar owner, how he got it, remains unclear. <laughs> So then they decide that they need to get more information about what Dr. Muller has been up to. Um, he, wait, does he, what is, no, the, that's he, when the he cop gets, gets arrested. The cop mate gets taken away. So that's, that's not just yet. So now it's the sister goes into Avalon to find out more information mm-hmm. because she can go in because she works there technically and yep. so she Avalon goes into this archive. has not decided that's a bad idea. She hacks in very easily. Yeah. And the file that they access apparently is encrypted, so it sets off an alarm, but she gets a very long time to watch the video that comes up. She gets ages to have a look at the fact that they were basically doing experiments on all these kids with progeria to try and cure it, Mm -hmm. but end up killing them all. And there's all these kids with triangular things on the backs of their heads. They call them scars. Yeah, triangular scars. Yeah. And there's Dr. Nakata doing that thing where people make video diaries of things that it would be much more convenient to just write down. Mm -hmm. Like, our patient pool is exhausted. Which is not a very nice thing to say. No. You just, like, the kids died. Yeah, I definitely definitely write that down and sort of hedge the language a lot more. You know, the... We're pausing the experiment for a little while. I wouldn't do like a video of myself looking haggard and devastated. Yeah. Being like this well, went... Well, from what we can tell from a black and white. This went terribly. Animated picture of an old Asian man. The alarms go off and I like that the guy in the control center says, Maximum alert. <laughs> there is a maximum alert. Things have gone as wrong as they could possibly go. And there, the last person we would want is seeing the last thing we would want them to see in the last room we wanted them to get into. <laughs> maximum alert. Their way of 
stopping people from escaping is to turn the lights off. Code black. And say, don't move. Code black, man. Just turn all the lights off. Hey, make you think twice. I mean, what if your phone battery is low and your torch goes out? You're done. You're done, mate. She didn't have a phone. Yeah. Very few people in this movie had phones. Very good point. Phones existed in 2006. They would have known that iPhones would have existed at some stage. I mean, the iPod Touch probably existed right now. Yeah, but no one even has an iPod Touch in this. That's what's no, weird. They don't. They've all got Zunes instead. No one even <laughs> listens to any music. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the Zune 6. It's oh. also a hat. They escape somehow. It's unclear. Yeah, it's not shown the how, how the detective gets into the building they to save They basically like, let's get out into this alley. And then they're done. They're out. It's fine. And they, but don't they, they get out and there are dudes above them with guns, like searching for them. So they're under like the little overhang. And his thing yeah. is, we'll just stay here until morning. Well, I got the impression that they're outside the building and they're in an alleyway somewhere. It's raining because it's noir. Exactly. And he and he takes his jacket off. The detective takes his jacket off, puts it on the woman, and he's like, you should try and get some sleep. Dude, <laughs> we are standing in an alley in the rain in the middle of the night. So they hiding from a corporation that seemingly controls the city we're in. Why would I go to sleep? You want to just you want to lie, just in the dirt, and try and get some sleep. It's not dirt. It's, it's definitely concrete. Everything is concrete. Yeah, I know, but there would be grime upon it. There is what I'm saying. You want to lie in the dystopian grime. I enjoy that they have a small a small conversation. They kiss once, and then in the next scene, she when he that's when he talks about the Casbah. When he gets her arrested by his friends. Um, for her own protection, and she says we slept together. As oh yeah, she says just because we slept together, blah blah. blah. You did no, you just you're in an alleyway. You're still in the same alleyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said get some sleep. So it sounds like you definitely weren't like they, they slept. The other problem together. with the animation is it makes it pretty difficult to tell people apart, and I found that to be definitely the case with his different police officer buddies. Like the and the degree, female ones and male ones because they all have short hair or are bald. They all have, yeah, they all look very similar. The degree to which he was dependent or not on his police officer buddies was kind of ambiguous. And when they came on screen, I couldn't really tell who everyone was meant to be. Their voices aren't that distinctive and visually, like... You need to have one person always wears a cowboy hat. One person has an eye patch. One Ooh. person has like has t- has a tentacle beard like Davy Jones. Every and that one way of them has a, them an item of color at some stage. Or like one that, person has. You could use color. A little bit like blue sunglasses that they always have, and that would just differentiate this one person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, but you know, at a certain point, they've committed so hard to the black and white thing there's no way out of it yeah so he sort of gets the cops to arrest the sister just for her safety like just get out of here mate don't even worry about it mate um but is and the police have found nakata the doctor from that video and he goes and sees him and he 
says in a way that kind of sounds like it's meant to be a big reveal that like our goal in treating progeria wasn't just to treat progeria but to find immortality and find a way to make people live forever yeah and i that's that's the problem here because that isn't a part of the film it's it now from this point on becomes the only part of the film first of all avalon is introduced as seemingly already having technologies that allow people to stay always stay young yeah so i thought that was already kind of an option and it's not established how any of the characters feel about immortality and what the consequences of it would be, or what the consequences of it would be in the context of their society, you know? Like, in a society where people are, where things aren't going great and lots of people are sort of poor and starving, the fact that the rich are chasing immortality, you know, that would seem a little bit, you know, no pun intended, rich, and so then that would... <laughs> That would make it more, like, you know, ethically wrong to try and do it. But but you don't get to see a lot of the poor in this film. Ultimately, just people wanting to find immortality is not salient in this movie why that's bad. But, and also during that, you haven't built up the final villain at all. Like, the, the at no. this point, the mystery is pretty much gone. Jonathan Price, the head of Avalon, why does he want immortality? Yeah. And what would he do with it? What would be the consequences of him getting it? You know? He gets to live forever. Because, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I'd be immortal. Live forever? If it was an option, I wouldn't like to not be able to die. But if it's up to me when it happens, I would definitely do that. And the people are always like, oh, but then, you know, everyone you care about, like all your friends die. I'm like, yeah, just make new friends. <laughs> I just... Make new Some friends. Some people have a very big trouble, like, making friends. Yeah, but not if you're cool and always young. Just make some new ones, you know? And if you decide you've had enough, then stop. But the thing, the problem, the, here's the problem with death. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the problem with death is it's not dying. It's dying when you maybe didn't want to. If you could live forever... You can pick a moment. You'd be like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm good. I've done what I need. I'm good. This was Christopher Hitchens' line about dying. It was like, it's not... The problem is not that the party is over. The problem is that the party is still going, but I have to leave. Oof. So just being able to choose when you leave the party, that's the dream. That is the dream. So I don't get it. Just let Avalon do it. You can make a case for all the negative consequences, but they don't make the case in the movie. It's just the only person who tries to make the bad. case is Muller. Muller. And then later on, basically, Detective Karras just acts upon Muller's statement without a second thought. Yes. So it pretty much it ramps up pretty quickly from this point. Yeah, so... Into nothing. There's a bit where, where Muller is going to shoot because it's revealed that Muller has taken the scientist captive. Yes. She was his protege. He real he has been he has been holding back Avalon's research into immortality. Yes, he because discovered if the they secret. Find immortality, it means life means nothing anymore. There's one line where he says 
if without death, life is meaningless. And that's yes. all the effort the movie puts into establishing how we're meant to think or feel about yep. the concept of immortality in the in the course of this narrative, and in that, which is not enough. In that statement, our, our eponymous hero is automatically taken with whatever Muller says. Is that bloody good like, point, sweet, mate? Absolutely. Mate, I'm on you. I you will shoot anyone who contradicts that statement. I will shoot. I will shoot them. <laughs> um, so it's revealed that Muller was kidnapped. Because Muller figured out oh, there's so much he <laughs> figured out the secret to immortality which saved his brother who has progeria who's now the little old like raisiny fella who's watching who's who's for the film we've seen him watching her in mm. her little captive and thing doing his drawings the only color we see in the, the film only color is his drawings i don't know what to make of that and he's the um old man that they see kidnap her at the start of the film and yeah. everyone thinks it's an an old man. Um I like the animation of the very old people. The Pogeria people and the people so in that home who were just, overly detailed. Just, yeah, like gruesomely detailed yeah. elderly people. That 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 worked well. He tries so Muller tries to shoot the scientist who's kidnapped and decides he can't because he's too much of a bloody good person. Then he confronts the detective on the roof. This was this was fun footage of like the shaky cam from the helicopter like, police chopper type vehicle that's coming in. They're on their more cool future Paris architecture roof. It's kind of snowing now. Um and Muller is trying to communicate to the detective that the person you're trying to save is actually the threat. This I think is the truly valid part of the plot that's like actually quite cool mm. that's the interesting twist that the da- damsel in distress that you are normally trying to save in the noir is actually the villain of the piece and you've been going down the wrong track by trying to so so he's kidnapped her but he was doing it for the good of the world yeah to protect everyone from being able to not die and so then Muller decides he's had enough and pretends he's going to shoot him so he gets he does death by police yeah and falls dramatically into the depths of Paris. Which I thought was pretty cool. Looks cool. It does look cool. Looks tight. Um, And then Daniel Craig has a confrontation with the head of Avalon in the street next to where it's happened and has my favourite line, which is, I've got an uncanny sense for spotting a son of a bitch. (laughs) He just punches him and then gets the shit kicked out of him with a very... Taken action sequence, I think, is where like there's 30 cuts while he's getting beat up, and it just changes angle all the time. Every single land yeah. blow that lands, the angle changes. So, not all the translation is great, no. Um, and so th- then the detective figures out that Klaus, the brother of Muller, is still alive. Oh, and then the sister was already arrested by the police for safety, but somehow he gets her back and then gives her to Mr. Favela, the Casbah chap. Does he? Yeah, and puts him in his limo. Puts her in his limo. And then he says, now, after 20 years, we're, we're even. And I do not understand how that makes them even. I mean, selling people into slave trade is one well, way to make a living. Well, but- no, I think... I think- He's just protecting her as well. Um, Is that when he says that? Yeah. Well, yeah. they say they're making getting each other even a bunch of times, but I don't know what they're making the other one even for. 
Anyway. What, say, what happens in the Casbah stays there, I guess. Just We don't talk about Fight Club. Casbah is as Casbah does, you know <laughs> what I mean? And so his then one of his police buddies gets him information about the baddies. I'm not sure how he gets it. And but then because of that, the invisible people capture that police officer buddy. Well, while and are sort Karis, of torturing like him. slips away because he's found where they're hiding. The go- that's it. Yeah. The, the information shows a video of a train station, and they see Muller um, f- f- going yeah. down his little secret entrance. How did to they the hiding place in in his surveillance footage? The detective doesn't find any of the information. No, he gets that it he uses. Him every now Everyone else does. Everyone. <laughs> oh, by the way, here's the thing for the next thing to happen. Like, okay, brilliant. You want a MacGuffin? Here it is. He walks down the train tracks because it's a noir and goes in a door along the side of the train tracks and it's all creepy in that. And so then this I'm getting exhausted. The sister, <laughs> the is, sister is, is in a is in a globe prison. She's in a snow globe jail. And at this point, the brother of so Klaus has already cut her bindings for her and we walk in with the detective and she is suffocating him. Yeah, so you think at first he's going to stab her, but then he sets her free and then she tries to kill him, the little Klaus wrinkly brother fella. And then the detective comes in and she goes, and he's like, what the he fuck are you doing? He tried to kill me. He's like, yeah, he's well, like, you know, a lot of shit's been going on. Should we just get out of here? Let You know, just, let's not overcomplicate things. And the detective just basically says, like, nods to Klaus and Klaus just leaves. <laughs> yeah. And Klaus so, yeah. sort of goes off and sort of becomes a street urchin or something. Yeah, because at the end he's just burning the photos. He's just <laughs> being the artful dodger from then on, which is fine. Um, and then they're running out through the sewers. The I think is the, is the she invisible pleads people. with him not to save her, and like I don't want to leave. I'm here to do good, and he's like I'm saving you even if you don't want to because I made a promise. And they go through the sewers, and the invisible dudes are following them. And what could have been an awesome action sequence at the end yes. just ends with the detective getting shot in in the back. And then... And then an ending which I like. And then she goes, I'm not leaving, and walks yeah. back. He's, he's, he has like a secret identity thing for her. Like, take yeah, this, you, you can disappear. You can start a new life. Avalon won't find you. How did he get that? I don't know, but the sister had the other sister had one as well. Anyway, he get this, and he's like, get out of here, you don't... And, and then she's like... And then she's like, no, I will have eternal life. And she throws that away and she's walking back into the clutches of The invisible man in Avalon. And And he fucking shoots her. He just stone cold. fucking shoots her. Shoots her in the back and she she slides into the water next to that pathway there. Sinks like a dead body definitely does in water. Like Imhotep the mummy just into the... Just on the side a little bit, and then just the nose, and then ripples. Great visual. Great visual. Good use of the black and white. Yeah, that's that see, moment. that's a time where black and white is nice. So I feel like that ending, you know, the movie really had some balls at that moment. See, I think that ending would have meant more if she'd had like more of a maniacal monologue just before it, 
or like done something or if she was the reason he got shot. Yeah, or like, if it just established more what the consequences would be of Avalon getting the power of immortality. Yeah. Because as far as I can tell, it wouldn't be that bad. Well, like if they change the power of immortality to mean like you need to take somebody else's life, like you need to... Something people. like that. Because like, society so, seems to be going okay, exactly. you know? Like, there's like, no... There's, sure, there's lots of levels now, but it's not <laughs> like some big layer cake because when they're like driving along next to Notre Dame, it's all sunny and nice. Everyone's kind of walking around and it's not made clear that, oh, not anyone can come here. It's like, no, things yeah. are kind of going okay in 2054. There's no Elysium. Yeah, there's no Elysium. There's no, you know, Outlands... There's no slum areas. We're not made to know about it, but the Casbah no. does exist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who knows what the Casbah is meant to be, but but also the Casbah. It started in 2006, is where the like the 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 story of the film. The furthest back we go is 2006, which is now. Mm. Daniel Craig's character has got to be in his late 30s. Yeah. So he existed now. So he's a Zoomer. So. The Casbah would exist now, whatever it is. Yeah. In in the context of this film, <laughs> it's a different reality than ours because we don't have a place yeah. that is like. There's no way Paris would be that different by 2050. <laughs> We're not digging hundreds of meters into the ground and no. building levels upon levels. If like, the, could you it, imagine that Paris though? They have this nice Elysium type upper level. Then the fucking catacombs that are, that actually exist under Paris right now, oh. and then dystopian Paris. Why didn't that. they use the catacombs? I don't know. I'll put it this way: if we need, if the only way we can survive is to build down six levels into our major cities, we're dead. Yeah, we're not going to do it. <laughs> we will I think not we'll be, be able we'll be in space before that happens. to get our shit together that much in order to do it. Nothing. Um, no building's foundation is good enough to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not going to work. We're starting again, y'all. The reason this works is because Paris works in silhouette. Like you can just silhouette the Eiffel Tower. There's 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 cool shots of the Sacre Coeur. Paris is one of the few European cities that does. Yeah. Because when you see Paris architecture, you're like, yeah, that's Paris. That's not. It's probably only like Bruges, Paris, and London. London nowadays, Paris and London, London in the early 2000s, maybe not. But ever since that bullet went up, they're like, yeah, London. Oh, the, the gherkin. The gherkin, yeah. Yeah. Ever since the gherkin exists and now that really pointy one that's next door. The toothpick. Oh, no. The needle, I don't know. It's probably called the needle, actually. Yeah. People love calling buildings needles. So here, and, and then at the end, he lies to the sister and says, no, your sister's fine. I didn't shoot her in the back ruthlessly. Yeah. She's just disappeared. Don't even worry about it. And her. old Mr. Avalon has no repercussions at all. No he repercussions just for sees Avalon. this chick die. And then there's just another shot of the Avalon billboard saying the thing I said at the beginning. And then that's it. That's it. That's how it ends. So, you so know, it ends without ending. I mean, you know, eight out of 10 for effort. Seven out of 10 for effort. Yeah, um, well, I was going to show you. There is. This is a weird tangent to go through. Let's do but it. The kind we have of animation, so much time and energy. Let's the do it. Kind of animation that it is for the entirety of watching this just reminded me of a 2004 cartoon series of Spider Man, which was technically superior for its time because it was 3D animation, Ooh. and it's so terrible. I can show you a video of Did this. Did you have to wear glasses? No, but it's like, 
it's animated three-dimensionally. And this is what it looks like. And it just looks like a lot of what they do in this film. How is that different from and just animation? Look at the way they're doing, like, the the characters move. That's, like, what they've attempted with their motion capture in this film. It is kind of similar, yeah. yeah. Which wouldn't have cost much. This. And, like, so, yeah. like, I don't know if the effort is really there for the time that it was. But then again, I don't know what they were working with. I think it. W- I think it would take a lot of effort to do this kind of animation for this kind of story. For this kind of this, length. For this kind of length. Hmm. Do you have notes? Nothing more than we've stated. I think my my notes. His, my notes would be more to make action. this better. More action. Hmm. You need to give the detective a health problem. That Avalon could fix. So like Repo. Where you have your evil corporation is able to save... Like they save him. And if he he solves this mystery, it will jeopardize the fact that he's alive. Uh, Well, yes. Something like that. Just implicate the hero. You know, like iRobot. You know, where he's got the robot arm, I think it is. It is. Have it... Something like if you want to use these this Caspar thing, have one of the things Avalon can do is, you know, re- they can e- eternal sunshine you and relieve you of traumatic memories. So if he wanted to, he could take away the trauma that defines the way he interacts with the world through Avalon. But he rejects that because of you know that's not what his interpretation of being a human is or whatever. Have him be being sick throughout the film and that makes him sort of invested in the prospect or otherwise of immortality Mm. you know i think you just need to add or like i think remove layers of um convolutedness in the mystery yes just like one or two not necessary like, I don't think you need to have the progeria storyline at all. Like, they're what they're they're searching for immortality because they're people who don't want to die. That's that's great. But their way of doing that, I think the way that they found immortality should just be horrific. Like they have to make do it, something terrible in order to make you yeah. immortal. If you want to link it to them being like a beauty company, have it be like a kind of animal testing, but they have to test on humans, you know, yeah. something like that. Like so, they've done stuff. They or like people from to, the lo- they they you know they're testing it on p- people from the catacomb level, you know, or something like that. In order to become immortal, you have to lose a certain part of yourself. You know, have it be that it's the future, so overpopulation is a terrible problem, and they're so slightly dealing with this. Well, well, no, the prospect of being immortal massively worsens the overpopulation problem because now no <laughs> one dies. Like that's an insane thing to try and do, <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, don't treat the immortality thing as a reveal because you've established that that's sort of kind of on the cards already the whole time. Um, 
make the fact that those people can turn invisible either don't have to be invisible or make the fact that they're invisible important or have or have well, the fact that they can go invisible be like a different superpower that Avalon can give people but that Avalon to, is kept secret and gives only to their own security force. Yeah, I think you need a scene between Muller and the guy in charge of Avalon, establish mm-hmm. a relationship between them. The, and it, and that that scene needs to make you immediately think that Muller is the bad guy. You make yeah. makes you believe that oh he's a psychopath and the other guy's just trying to do this for the good of the world. And then you f- switch that flip. Have them be like brotherly co-founders. And nice. the Jonathan Price is like the smiling face of the company, and Muller is this sort of dark, brooding background character. Mm-hmm. But then it's revealed that he's the one that can see the company for what it is and is trying to save it. And the smiling guy is the one who's desperately trying to, you know, to to build immort to find the route to immortality because of their brother that died or whatever. And <laughs> if you're going to do this black and white thing there needs to be the problem in the film needs to be that characters think in a too black and white fashion and think in terms of right and wrong and yes or no or up or down but in the course of the story understand that things are more complex than that and there's gray area in those decisions and colors come into and it as they and as they understand that the color palette changes colors how good are colors man because i think that's the problem with the black and whiteness of it is it's such a strong choice but it doesn't really relate to the story well it's a tech noir film yeah, but noir. Yeah, but noir is dark. It's not black and white per se. This is noir. <laughs> tech noir is definitely black and white. No, no. Tech tech noir is neon. No, that's punk. That's like, like cyberpunk. Cyberpunk as well, but also tech noir. I guess. Tech noir is is more subdued, but tech noir is. Black is black and white, but with subdued pinks and blue neons in the background. Colors. Yeah. Sin City. I At the end of this, I was actively looking forward to just watching anything else <laughs> that just had normal color in it. Like Fateless. Well, probably not that. Where are we going to put this in the tally, bro? We're ready to tally? We are so ready to tally right now. Okay, so, I mean, people may or may not know, we're not doing the basic thing of scoring these movies out of 10 or some shit <laughs> like that. Who would do that? What podcast this is, would do that this, in this day and age? This isn't your mum's Daniel Craig podcast. We are what... We, <laughs> I mean, it's her favourite. It's our favourites. Their favourites. <laughs> we are ranking all of Daniel Craig's movies from best to worst. Slash Daniel Craig performances. So, Renaissance. I'm getting a vibe from you that we're starting near the bottom. I think we should start near the bottom. This is the 25th thing that we are ranking currently. Thank you so much. So, I'm going to start us off at around uh, Genghis Khan. Better or worse? What do you think, Sam? Worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be worse. It's got elements of it that are definitely better, but... 
it could have done stuff that makes it that would have made it better. It's just too basic mm-hmm. in too many ways. And you know, you got to say, not great, Craig. And not, it's not great, great Craig. Because it's not he doesn't. He doesn't have a chance to be Craig. No. No. It's him do he's him doing the lines of could some you, random French guy. Could you imagine if the story had more like stuff for Craig to Craig and if he was motion captured? I would love that. Mm. Look, if this was motion capture Craig, I'd be starting off in the middle of the ranking. Not gonna lie. Definitely. But the fact that it's not even his eyes aren't blue, his hair isn't blonde. <laughs> his eyes are so not his blue. face is the face of a French guy. It's got to be like the down. French. Okay, below Genghis Khan is Lara Croft. I don't think this is better than Lara Croft. We're going below Lara Croft. Hotel Splendid is below Lara Croft. You know, I think Hotel Splendid is better. Below that is I Dreamed of Africa. Nothing is worse than I dreamed of Africa. Okay, you say that, but we have four things ranked <laughs> below it. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. It sucks, though, because I adore the just the imagery of the architecture in this movie. I love that car like, chase. I would have I would have posters of some of the images in this film. Mm. The opening shot of the Paris skyline. But just as a film, doesn't... It doesn't um, doesn't get where it's trying to go. I also never thought I would say this about a Daniel Craig film. Okay, it's worse. It's like worse than Hotel Splendid. Like after watching other films, I never thought we'd have to say that at this at this at this point in time. Well, I'm finding with any of these films that we're not particularly a fan of, my opinion of them really softens over time. <laughs> You know, I'm looking with some affection at I Dreamed of Africa, you know. Obsession, there's good moments. There's good moments of Craig. Yeah, there's some good moments of Craig in everything Craig does. Cause That's true. It's Daniel. That's true. He's Britain's best actor. He's Britain's best actor, Daniel Craig. All right. All right, we did it. We did. We talked about this one for a while. We talked about Paris 2054 Renaissance. Renaissance. Nothing Renaissance it. It's not... I mean, there's pictures. You, they could have said, by introducing immortality in this way, this will bring about a renaissance of... Pictures. Whatever the thing is that our society is lacking. Of the I. renaissance. Color. Like, you'd have color... Like, Color symbolized the thing the society is lacking, and immortality would somehow bring about a renaissance of it. That would have worked. That's all you need. Many things could have worked. Many things could have worked. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you've been enjoying the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Exceptional Pod, on Instagram at Exceptional Thieves, or if you have something really long form that you would like to say and it's like a few paragraphs and you want to have some attachments you can send us an email at exceptionalthieves at gmail.com that address was not taken um, um, don't send like porn don't no like we don't want your attachments to be inappropriate no I mean there are children no. here yeah yes especially well like mentally definitely don't you know Make it make it like, nice. 
if you have a photo that you took with Daniel Craig at a movie premiere somewhere. Oh, that'd be great. Love to see him. Love that'd to be, see him. Oh, yeah. Oh, if you have previously unpublished photos of Daniel Craig. We won't publish them. We just like to see him. Well, not without his permission. We'll just send him a quick text and be like, oi, Dan, do you like this one? A-D-G-D-C? D-C. D-C. This one? This one? Just just send the photo and then question mark. <laughs> and then he'll just send back winky face. With the sound effect. Classic, classic Daniel. That's he has his own emoticons, face. everyone. I just thought you should know that. Yeah, it's just a massive blue eye, like the eye of Sauron. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at S underscore Brookfield, I guess, if you're into that. Or Instagram at Samuel Brookfield. And you're on Instagram at Isaac Tibbs, two A's, two B's. That's me. Um... I'd like to thank the Vivisectors for our music. Yep. They're Great music. And Ryan Sim for the artwork. It looks just like Daniel Craig. It's uncannily. Mm. I mean, we said just do a face, and that's the face it came up like, with. Like, that as an animated face looks so much like Daniel Craig compared to a film we watched today. Imagine if that face, done by Ryan Sim, filled this entire animated film. I'll tell you what, it wouldn't be 20th. <laughs> Wouldn't be no, it would not. If you're on all the, the old iTunes or whatever, give us a five star rating, even if you don't mean it. Okay. Okay. And give <laughs> us a review, and just say like random words. Give us a review, but just post like a Byron poem or something, or like Lorem Ipsum. Just yeah. copy that from from websites that never got finished. Yeah, or like the text from one of those books in Swedish that they put on the shelves at IKEA. I love those books. Yeah, just put that in. That's all that matters. Like I none want, of this I means anything. Like, don't try and make it meaningful. Yes, that'd be good. Or although my name's not Ishmael. Damn it. Call me Isaac. I do. Yeah. That's how that book should have started. Okay, that's that's a good hot take to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. I just want to say goodbye too. Yeah, you got to say goodbye as well. Uh, see ya. No. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>